are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball! What is happening? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Tuesday, November the 24th. And an almost Legends Day and also a Takeless Tuesday from your boy. That's right. This is Matt Shook, the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering sports gambling for PlayMichigan.com, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word. Welcome to the new listeners here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. No real consequential news from Monday for the Pistons. A nice little surprise there. We're going to go around and talk about what they're saying around the national media. I promise you that this is not ulterior motives. This was the segment that we had planned previous to the machinations and what happened over the weekend with the Detroit Pistons. And since it is Tuesday, and you know that on Monday night I was on the tennis court and my head just kind of is uh, cloudy not great after tennis. Not in great shape, turns out. So we get Brother Brian to kind of take over the show. He's got almost legend with a legendary Pistons player, a bona fide legend. Also, we got a post-draft profile from Brother Brian, this time on Isaiah Stewart. We owe Isaiah his own draft profile, and we're going to give him one from Brother Brian. The treatment from B Shook 12. Also, maybe a Saban Lee one coming later on. Maybe Anthony Lamb, the new guy, in here on Monday as well. So give me a follow, by the way, on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash. Matt Shook. But uh, how, here, here's something to sink your teeth into. Brian texted me a few minutes ago, saw about uh, Bobby Marks reporting about the huge trade exception that Oklahoma City is getting for Stephen Adams. I tweeted about this tonight. It's Brian's idea. Come up with a little bit more than $10 million in salary for Oklahoma City and let's do business. Blake Griffin to the Thunder, and we'll take about $12 million in salary, however you want to give it to us, hopefully expiring. Don't have to stretch Dwayne Dedman and Roddy Magruder. They can buy low on Blake Griffin, right? Keep them in playoff contention. That's probably a stretch that's probably not going to happen for them. But sell some tickets if you're ever able to sell tickets, right? It's from Oklahoma. You know those Oklahoma people, they're weird. They would love that, to have the the OU legend and the uh, – the home state guy, come back home. They would eat that up. I know those people. So, yeah, go ahead and do that. So um, let me know if you think about what you think about that one. But anyway, we're going to start with the national media takes. Went around, listened to some podcasts, checked the internet. And, again, this is a not a cherry picking. This is all the ones that I've looked at. There, I'm sure there are others, and I'm sure there are ones that look at the Pistons in a more favorable light. So if there are out there, I want you to send them to me, and we will read those later on in the week as well. But, yeah, we're going to start with kind of the rough ones, the bad ones. Get progressively more positive as time goes on. Leave a good taste in your mouth there. So go ahead and send them along if you see some other ones. Uh, Bobby Marks heard him talking about the Pistons. He says here, and I quote, Here's the thing about cap space. You don't have to use it all in two hours. There's no time limit here. You don't have to do Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee, some other players here, some reclamation projects like Oak Four and Josh Jackson. You waved and stretched Dwayne Dudman. All these moves here, they're going to be a team. There's going to be a team that's going to want to dump a contract here. And I like the Grant signing, but like, and I look at the Grant signing like I guess he's going to play the three. You still got Blake. What are we doing here? It's funny, and I don't want to kill Detroit. 
but I'm updating all my stuff every day. Yesterday morning, I'm like, oh my God, this roster is worse than it was three hours ago when I left here and they hadn't even made any other moves. I get it. You're trying to recreate the wheel here, but sometimes you kind of overthink during the process. He goes on to say, you know what, Jeremy, reminds me of one of those college players during the NCAA tournament that you're watching. You haven't watched college all year, then all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, this guy is great. Of course, referring to the playoff bubble performance. He likened him to Malachi Richardson of Syracuse, who ended up going way too high in the draft. Because of that, Bobby Marks went on to say uh, he about Jeremy Grant, he fit that team in Denver. He was perfect for them, and now he's going to be on center stage. To go back to Denver and be on a top on the top three team, and you still get that $20 million, but because you were promised a different role in Detroit, man, good luck. That's end quote from Bobby Marks. Again, not cherry-picking, just throwing it out there. There are no takes from me. I don't have ulterior motives for why I'm reading these ones in particular, just laying it out what they're saying in the national media. Kevin Pilton of ESPN.com says, uh, based on the ease of finding centers, I rate Mason Plumley no better than replacement level next season. Plumley's projection only drops from there because his game is so much more dependent on athleticism than skill and he'll turn 31 in March. In this case, specifically, the Pistons' moves make even less sense because they chose them over re-signing Wood, who went to the Houston Rockets in a sign-and-trade that will pay him $41 million over the next three years. But at the same price point, I'd rather have Wood than Grant. For $19 million less over the same period, that isn't even a question. All this feels like a rerun of the Stan Van Gundy era for the Pistons, which was sabotaged by his regime's tendency to overpay role players, eventually forcing Detroit into making tough choices on which ones to keep. End quote there. Zach Harper of The Athletic, during a article that he put out, and we're giving you the premium stuff here, stuff that I pay for out of my own pocket. Uh, Zach Harper of The Athletic did a piece called, Did Your Team Get Better? Here's what he said about Detroit, and I quote, And I have no idea what they're doing other than tanking, but it's wild that Grant received the same offer from Denver and decided to head to Detroit. That means at some point during their run to the conference finals, Grant was watching Nicole Jokic and Murray while thinking, swing the ball, I'm open. I do like the rate trade, and taking a chance on Jackson isn't bad, but the rest of these moves are nonsense unless you see them gunning for the top pick. His verdict is that the Pistons are so much worse, so, so much worse. I had them 30th in the latest power rankings. After these moves, that feels too high. End quote. That's good news for the tank crowd. If you want to hope to get the, the lottery odds for the best team, I didn't really get the joke about uh, what uh, Jeremy Grant was thinking in the corner. But anyway, we'll move on. John Hollinger, The Athletic, projected Mason Plumley to make $3.3 million per season this offseason. He then did a write-up where he corrected himself a little bit. He said, Plumley still has his uses, but he's looking like a major, looking at a major pay cut from the $14 million he made a year ago. Plumley can't shoot, struggles from the free throw line, and has a maddening tendency to call his own number on post-ups. However, he's a useful reserve because he remains an athletic lob threat even at age 30, and he's a good passer and ball handler. Defensively, his size and mobility are a plus, but he can be his own worst enemy rushing into mistakes, such as the play where he lost Anthony Davis at the end of Game 2 of the conference finals. Overall, I like this num- I think this number, referring to the $3.3 million, is perhaps a shade low, and he's likely to get the room exception, about $5 million. Given the juggling Denver will need to do to remain below the tax level, I'm not sure that payday is coming from the Nuggets, end quote. Zach Lowe on his podcast with uh, with Chris Herring of 538.com, Zach Lowe says about Jeremy Grant, that contract is insane. The, mac- the mechanics that the Detroit Pistons went through to be able to even offer that contract are even more insane. Playing Mason Plumlee $8 million a year is insane, like certifiable, end quote. He went on to say, though, but 
I think that the Pistons could be this year's sons, and yet you and yet you come out of it better than people think. So a little bit of speculation there. Good stuff. Um, and then Vinny Goodwill, closing with the most uh, positive one, something to leave on a good note here. Vinny Goodwill of Yahoo Sports was on the Stoney and Jansen show on 97.1 The Ticket on Monday morning, and he says that all the changes that Troy Weaver made were refreshing which I would agree with, by the way. Uh, went on to say about Plumley. he's oh, uh, I, I ruined my takeless Tuesday uh, promise to you guys. He went on to say about Mason Plumley. he's more athletic than you'd think. Uh, about the contracts, uh, especially Mason Plumley's. I'm not fretting over it. Three-year deals, which effectively mean two-year deals because that third-year deal is going to be an expiring contract. Expiring contracts are starting to become more valuable and it will not be difficult to move. And Vinny went on to would say that he would tell Pistons fans to relax. Okay, end quote. There it is. We ended on a positive note. Relax, Pistons fans. It's all good. You can move the deals. Expiring deals are getting more valuable. So in a couple years, that'll be expiring. So good stuff there. I, I, again, not being tongue-in-cheek, reading these earnestly, trying to supply the information that's out there. Again, if there's better stuff, if there's stuff you're reading that makes more sense, National media-wise, let us know. We'll drop that info here on Locked on Pistons. But up next, we're going to the time machine back to the 1970s to tell you about one of the greatest Pistons of all time on the Almost Legend series, the Bonafide Legend series from Brother Brian. That's coming up next year on the Locked on Pistons podcast. But, hey, got to tell you guys about Built Go, the solution that's breaking me through the wall and helping me to a couple of set victories on the tennis court tonight. Built Go, I should put them on the trophy if I ever get a trophy, I did win a trophy in tennis once. Break through your wall. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do, whether it's that mental or physical wall. Break through it with Go every day. They're easy to take in the 1.5-ounce packages. Throw them in your pocket. The best workout gel on the market. Tastes great. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine. And better results. you got the three delicious flavors. you got peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? I'm glad you asked. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. The collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. It takes about 10 minutes, and I'm feeling a lot better ready to roll. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. The Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. you got the beta alanine, the B3, the honey, the kick of caffeine as well. Built Go then kicks in to keep me going strong. got the B6, the B12, all the Bs, right? 10,000% of your daily percentage of B12. That's a lot of freaking B12. Collagen protein p- promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health as well. This stuff literally makes me look better, as if that was possible. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Yes, sir! Takeless Tuesday continues for your boy, but I'm looking for your takes on the Detroit Pistons, particularly the positive ones. If you're feeling what Troy Weaver did as we go into Thanksgiving here this week, are you thankful for Troy Weaver? Are you thankful for the draft moves? Maybe we can go by the draft, talk about that. 810-666-1546 is the voicemail line. We're going to share those with you. we got a couple of them queued up already. But this week, 810-666-1546. Leave a voicemail. Tell us your name. Tell us where you're from. And tell us that the national media doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Troy Weaver's got this thing turned around and headed in the right direction. And the Pistons will benefit for it in the long haul. But now it's time for Brother Brian to take us back in time. 
On this week's episode of Almost Legends, we are going to stay in the 70s and stay with our theme of Piston's Bonafide Legends, whose story has been somewhat lost to time to today's younger fans. If you have ever been to the Palace or Little Caesars Arena, you have seen this Piston's number 16 hanging from the rafters. Or if you've ever played NBA 2K and gotten his pink diamond card, which may be the toughest in the game to get, then you have an idea about how good this guy was on Piston's Bonafide Legends. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen, kid. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. That was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I mean Roger Murdoch, from the hit 1980 comedy Airplane, lamenting how tough it was to play against Bob Lanier. Lanier was born in 1948 in Buffalo, New York, and his efforts to play basketball in his younger years were constantly being rebuffed. Although having size 11 shoes at the age of 11, he was cut from his grammar school team because being so big and having such large feet would make it impossible to be an athlete athlete, his coach said. And the coach at Bennett High School cut the 6 foot 5 inch 16 year old sophomore for being too clumsy. That coach was fired after that year. New Bennett High School coach Fred Schwepker motivated Lanier to try out again and let's just say that idea worked out. He averaged 21 points a night and was named to the All-City team as a junior. His senior year was more of the same as he once again averaged over 20 points, this time being named to the All-Western New York team after helping win Bennett back-to-back city titles. So that his parents could attend his college games, Lanier stayed home after spurning over a hundred other offers and chose to go to St. Bonaventure in Allegheny, New York and play for coach Larry Wise. In college, he was a three-time All-American selection, even leading the Bonnies to the Final Four his senior season in 1970. After his junior season, the ABA's New York Nets offered him over a million dollars to leave school early to come and play with them, following the advice of his father and and thinking that St. Bonaventure could win a title, he declined. He averaged almost 30 points in that season, and during the regional final game against Villanova, he had a collision with future teammate Chris Ford that caused a knee injury that would make Lanier miss the final four game that the Bonnies would lose, and the injury would plague Lanier his entire career. After the surgery, the first of eight he would have on his knees as a professional, he was selected first overall in the 1970 draft by the NBA's Detroit Pistons, and was a territorial draft pick of the ABA's New York Nets. He decided to play for the Pistons, even signing the contract while still in a hospital bed, recovering from his knee surgery. Coming into his rookie year, Lanier was overweight from inactivity and hadn't had a chance to rehab his injury extensively, and looking back, he thinks his career would have turned out even better than it did had he waited to return when he was ready instead of succumbing to management pressure and coming back earlier. I remember sitting in 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 the Hospital Ed Coyle, who was the general manager, came up to the room and we did a contract signing in the room. And that summer, I had so much uh, atrophy in my knee. And during training camp, there was a guy, Harvey Marlette from Eastern Michigan, came into my knee and and I went over and, and, I mean, it sounded like a shotgun going off, all the crunching that came through. And it was the best thing that could have happened for me because it started me being able to move my knee for probably the first time. Although, in hindsight, 
I probably should have never been out there. I probably should have waited until like January of that year, really worked on rehab because it caused a lot of problems on both sides of me for a large number of years. Individually, you could not have asked for more from Lanier. He made seven all-star teams for the Pistons, winning the MVP in the 1974 game and never averaged under 21 points or nine boards for a season, topping out averaging almost 26 points and almost 15 boards as career high marks. For his Pistons career, he averaged 22 points, the same number as his enormous shoe size, and 12 rebounds while constantly fighting through the pain of banged up knees. Halfway through the 70 1980 season, the Pistons traded Lanier to the Bucks for Kent Benson and a first-round pick, a move that was heartbreaking for Lanier as TV cameras caught up with him and his wife at the airport as he was flying out of town. Damn. Shoot. Hey, big fella. Good luck in Milwaukee. Okay. Thank you. Lanier tells Fox Sports Detroit what it was like to leave the Motor City. Pain. Pain, man. Again, you know, because if I bled, I would bleed piston red. As an athlete, you're judged by that. You're judged by by the rings, you know, and so many of us have not gotten them. Some people make it happen and some people like me didn't make it happen. I mean, and you got to take when you're the best player, you got to take that weight. And I can look in the mirror every day of my life and say I gave it my all. I understand that. I don't I don't ever have to look in that mirror and say, "You know what?" You didn't do it that day. No, I gave it my all all the time. That I know. I worked hard. I, I prepared hard. Uh, studied hard. Studied people's games. All that kind. I did everything I could do, but didn't get it done. He would go on to play that season and four more with the Bucks, winning division titles in each of those years and making one more All-Star game, which would make him an eight-time NBA All-Star. Lanier would retire following the 1984 season after 14 years in the league, over nine of them in Detroit. After his career on the court was over, he would be an assistant coach for the Golden State Warriors and even be their interim head coach near the end of the 94-95 season. He became a global ambassador for the NBA CARES program and has received numerous awards from basketball organizations and others for his work with the community and especially with children. He also runs Bob Lanier Enterprises, which is his promotional marketing company. His post-career basketball accolades are befitting of someone who had such a successful playing career. The Pistons and Bucks have both retired his number. He is enshrined in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, and the court at his alma mater, St. Bonaventure venture bears his name and in 2007 Lanier received the National Civil Rights Museum Sports Legacy Award it's awarded for his significant contribution to civil and human rights internationally in the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. but for everything he did for the Pistons and the city of Detroit on and off the court in the 70s for his continued pursuit to bring the game he loves to as many people as he possibly can and for his work uplifting communities and people all over the world, the dauber Bob Lanier is a Pistons bona fide legend. You ever seen a grown man naked? East meets West in Lockdown NBA Tuesdays. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Lockdown Warriors, and David Ramil, host of Lockdown Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day coast to coast. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA, the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Here is Brother Brian to tell you all about Isaiah Stewart. 
So the Pistons draft is over, and that means so are looks at draft prospects. But because the draft brought us two players that we did not have the chance to profile, we have decided to give a quick draft profile type look at them. So today we look at Isaiah Stewart, a 19-year-old, 6-foot-9 inch, 250-pound center. From Rochester, New York, Stewart was interested in other sports, namely soccer and boxing, but due to his size, he started focusing on basketball in the fifth grade. He attended McQuaid Jesuit High School, his freshman year and standing at six foot seven inches he averaged almost 19 points 12 rebounds and three blocks per night twice scoring over 40 points in a game but because of a tailbone injury stewart sat out almost his entire sophomore season deciding to attend la lumiere school in la porte indiana which is renowned for its basketball program as a junior stewart would average almost 20 points 11 rebounds and over two blocks per game on his way to getting honorable mention on the max preps junior all-american team that's summer, he suited up for Team USA and helped lead them to a gold medal in the 2018 FIBA Under-17 Basketball World Cup, averaging almost 12 points and over 8 rebounds a night for the red, white, and blue. Returning to La Lumiere for his senior season, Stewart would land firmly on the map as a star. The team went 30-1 in large part to the 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 3 blocks they got a night from the big center. He would get some big recognition being named both the Naismith Prep Player of the Year and Mr. Basketball USA, and also being named to the USA Today All-USA First Team and the Max Preps All-American Second Team. Stewart was a McDonald's All-American and also competed in the Jordan Brand Classic and Nike Hoop Summit. A five-star and consensus top five recruit in the entire country, Stewart continued his track west to the University of Washington to play for the Huskies and coach Mike Hopkins, whom Stewart had known since his days in Rochester while Hopkins was an assistant for Jim Beheim at Syracuse. Stewart's one and only year in Seattle was a smashing individual success, even if the team didn't perform so well. Stewart averaged 17 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 blocks per game as a college freshman, and that was good enough for Pac-12 All-Freshman Team honors, along with being named to the All-Pac-12 First Team. Stewart tells ESPN's Mike Schmitz what it takes to have such a high motor all of the time. Just pretty much pursuing the other side of the, uh, of the court. You know, me, I just like to... You know, look at the other side of the rim and just take off. Uh, I feel like running the floor for me is just easy buckets. I know you have, you know, while running the floor, you have to work hard, but... For me, I just see it as easy buckets and just getting a quick one. While most reaction was that picking Stewart with the 16th pick the Pistons acquired from Houston via Portland as a reach, if he can perform well and have an impact on this team, no one will negatively remember the pick with which he was selected. And he has the tools to succeed in the NBA. He is more often than not the hardest worker on both ends of the court. He has quick feet and very good instincts for body positioning to be able to score on the offensive end and defend on the defensive side of the ball. His mid-range and perimeter game show flashes that they may have potential to be plus parts of his game as he has a soft touch and good mechanics. He runs the floor exceptionally well for a big man and can finish with either hand at the rim. While he is big with quick feet, he doesn't have the explosiveness you sometimes see in today's young NBA bigs. He isn't jumping out of the gym and is more of a grinded out underneath and below the rim type of player. With that, taller and more athletic big men will be able to shoot over him and block shots because of the height advantage 
advantage most will have in the NBA. Although that is mitigated a little bit at times because of the massive 7 foot 4 inch wingspan Stewart possesses. He needs to get better at distributing the ball as it seems once he touches it in a half court set he is only looking to score and when he does pass the ball, either on the break or even a handoff, he has a tendency to make decisions and turnovers that are absolutely maddening. And his motor is always put on high and he sometimes gets his feet moving too quickly and is unable to avoid contact and picks up silly fouls on the defensive end and gets charging calls against him on the offensive end. Pistons fans are going to love this guy. I think Troy Weaver and the front office have found a guy that the city will embrace and love for his effort and work ethic. There may have been more talented players left on the board, but sometimes you want to sacrifice a little talent at the beginning, knowing you are getting a high character guy that will work as hard as anybody on the team to be successful. Some good comparisons I have seen are Tristan Thompson or a more offensively polished Jerome Williams. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you on the next installment when we will look at guards. Saban Lee. Thanks again to Brother Brian for coming through with another excellent look at draft profiles, this time the post-draft profile, Isaiah Stewart, who seems like a guy who's going to fulfill his potential, right? He's not going to leave anything on the table in his career, and like Brian said, a guy the Pistons fans will love, and I'm looking forward to watching him in the red, white, and blue. But that wraps up this edition of Locked on Pistons. I am your host, Matt Shook. Now, Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.